College football fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some good old-fashioned college football. And what a week it was. Week two is in the books. Week three, we will obviously preview and predict, but man, oh mighty. Texas is back, and they're coming to the SEC, okay? Now all of a sudden people are a little bit more afraid of them coming. Just kidding. But Texas does appear to be back. Um, they got a long – it's a long season as we know, but a big, big win at Alabama. Alabama um, goes down early in the season, got plenty of time to regroup. Um, but, man, if you look at the non-conference so far in the SEC, is the SEC down in 2023? It's a fair question. I'm not saying it's 100%, but, you know, on, on paper it appears that it's not the strongest it's been. Let's put it that way. Uh, Miami looks the part against A&M. Utah, Oregon pulled it, you know, pulled off, you know, some way pulled it off at the end to avoid a loss. Notre Dame at Ole Miss, their second half, just they go streaking in the second half. Uh, once again, they should just make a rivalry every year, Marshall. North Carolina and Appalachian State, man, double overtime game after last year's crazy game. Um, and like I said, you know, no rank versus rank this week. It's a really light week three. Um, but we're going to, of course, preview, check out the, you know, some, some banner or banter and back and forth with some betting lines. There's plenty of hardcore games, you know, flying under the radar, some barn burners that we'll definitely keep an eye on. And, of course, the crafty, crappy pick of the week. Let's hope technology doesn't get in the way. And then we'll breeze by some news, too, out of Michigan State, Mel Tucker. Um, but, yeah, um, what a week it was. And, uh, yeah, it's there was some shakeup. That is for sure. If this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it up radio. You don't have to go to blog talk and rope it up if you don't want to and download the show there. You can find this here College Ball Show under Rope Dope Radio, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Check it out on the podcast app, Player FM, Google Podcasts, PodBay, Deezer I just found the other day, a variety of other platforms. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com and Sports News 24. And real quick, sign up for Direct TV Stream and save $30 plus add the Direct TV Sports Pack and get NFL Network, NFL Red Zone, SEC Network, Big Ten Network, and more. Stream with no strings. Live sports news and on-demand. No annual contract. No hidden fees. No satellite dish. No cable box for a limited time. Save $30 on DirecTV Stream. Choose the DirecTV Stream package that's right for you starting at $74.99. Okay. Let's go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall. Well, you know, I'll say this. College football is a better place when Texas and Miami are are running full steam. Now, I'm not going to go there with Miami yet. They just beat A&M, okay? We're still looking for A&M to be full steam and get back seven or eight years ago. But Texas, is Texas back for one? Uh, they hit on all their big plays downfield. That was a big 
problem last year in general. Obviously, they didn't have the quarterback, you know, beyond early in that game last year. And I'll say this, the Bama quarterback uh, did get pressured a fair amount, that's for sure, got hit a lot, um, wasn't accurate on the short to mid-range, was very accurate with his deep ball, very inexperienced, though. Is Texas back, Marshall? And also, is so far through, I guess, technically three weeks, but we like to say two, you know, because of week zero, is the SEC down this year in 2023? Those two questions, my friend. And how yeah. are you doing, too? How are you doing? I should start with that. My bad. Three questions. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing pretty good, my friend. Uh, I remember what it's like to have high blood pressure when you watch college football and college uh, NFL football and make bets because life is never easy, but it was actually a good profitable weekend. And I, I will, I hate to admit this verbally out loud to the world, but I did uh, live bet Texas and I'm not sure if Texas is back as you hear that cliche every freaking year, but I, I think I would actually answer this question by saying I think for once Alabama is normal. And what I what I mean by that, Chris, is I was I was discussing this with coworkers because my not my head coach, elite. Not elite is what you're saying. When you say normal, that, that sounds average. I, I'm I'm getting there. So my my um my basketball coach texts me, she's like, Man, what because she's a, a huge sports fan, but not so much for more of a basketball person. So she was like, what was up with Texas Bama? And I told her, I said, I think this is the first time in about seven or eight years that the Alabama quarterback was not a first-round draft pick. I'm not saying he can't be, but I think this is the first time that, like, Bama's going through, like, what regular teams go through. Because if you look back at Bama's, like, last four to five quarterbacks or more, almost all those guys are first-round draft picks. So this is the first time Nick Saban's had to be like, hmm, I don't have a five-star stud freak quarterback, and maybe this Miller will become good. But, hey, you know what? Get used to regular life that, like, you've experienced as a gopher fan. He was a four- or five-star. He just, like you said, not living up to it right now. <laughs> yes, and, again, that's a very unreasonable expectation. But, like, Tua and Bryce Young and all the, I mean, pretty much every guy, Mac Jones, like, this is the first time Bama's had a relatively normal QB, and as you pretty much, unless you are a Bama school or Georgia or why well, hell Georgia is them normally have first string first uh, round draft pick quarterbacks, they're just they're kind of a regular looking team. So yes, I want to give Texas props that they deserve, and you went in Tuscaloosa, and that was the I think the biggest um, non conference loss Bama's had since two thousand four. On their home turf, so all of that deserves credit. But I think I don't think Texas is this elite power because you remember last year they should have beat Bama last year too if that quarterback doesn't get hurt or people could believe that. So I'll give them props, but I think Bama just has a regular QB. And when you have a regular QB, you it's hard to win games sometimes. I don't think Bama embarrassed themselves, but Texas clearly was the better team. So are they back? Uh, let's see. Let's see if they don't like. I, I'm eh, kind of maybe I'll, I'll say possibly yes. Um, and for the SEC being down, that I do think is true. Um, LSU had a bad loss. Obviously, Bama now has a bad loss. Um, T- Tennessee was like up nine to six on Austin P at half. Now they pulled out way at the end, but 
again, that wasn't a great performance by them last week. Um, South Carolina has a bad loss to North Carolina. Um, I mean, Auburn it's just barely beat Cal. Yeah. So the typical like dominant, like the, the Pac 12 and the Big 10, I would say probably have had better starts their year than the SEC has, which is rare to say. But yes, I would say the SEC is in a downfall because besides Georgia, and I'm not going to give them huge problems. In a down year or a downfall? Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on now. Those so, are two so, different things. So far, they're having a down year. So far, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. But, and Georgia has obviously looked good so far, but they've been heavily, heavily favored. I think they're favored by like 45 points in uh, week two, and I think they're like a close to like a 30-point, 38-point favorite week one. So well, aren't Georgia, they the only team that gets a preseason this year, too? I think they get preseason games, right? Uh, yes, it sure seems like, yeah. So, I mean, and Missouri, oh, Missouri, the team I love, I hope they fire their coach. I'm, I'm so fed up with Drinkwitz. They've not looked impressive. Um, I mean, Mississippi State, I know you're obviously in a very weird spot with Mike Leach, obviously passing away, unfortunately. So that's kind of like maybe a, a free pass for a team. Um, but shit, a, uh, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss is probably right now the second best team in the SEC so far. But yeah, it's definitely not what they're used to. In SEC land, I'd agree. Um, so far, non-conference versus Power Five opponents—that's key. Versus Power Five non-conference, not the preseason stuff. Pac-12 six and three, ACC four and four, Big Ten four and four, Big Twelve four and five, and the SEC is three and six. Now, um, twenty-one game home streak broken. By the way. At Alabama, um, you know, why not bring in a more legit transfer portal portal quarterback? If you look at what Notre Dame did, I'm not saying Sam Hartman had to be the guy, but sure. there were guys that are more experienced, that's for sure, than the guy they they got up, and they could blend that and maybe just get a one and done guy and let this guy, you know. Um, develop and get some playing time. So I think that is a fair thing. Why not hit the transfer portal for one? There wasn't eight to 10 that would have been difference makers or something like that. But I do think that's a fair question. By the way, Saturday's game this coming Saturday at USF will be Alabama's fourth non-conference true road game in 17 season under Saban. Uh, 2010 at Duke, 2011 at Penn State. Um, at Texas last year and now at uh, South Florida. So that that's kind of an interesting there. But, but yeah, I mean, I got to give it to Texas. Like I said, not only were the, the, the passes right on the money, it seemed like every deep touchdown Marshall got a better catch. I mean, some of those ca- – yeah, the, the quarterback put it right there, but sure. some of those catches were coming right over the head, not really even choosing a side. And as we know, that's a very difficult – uh, catch to make. So I got to give them credit. Like I said, the defense did their job. Both those picks were bad picks. One of them, I don't think he even saw him coming. Uh, the safety kind of hiding there. But um, yeah, man, that was uh, that was impressive. And you know, to be all the way back, you got to be you got to be able to pull off you know a variety of stuff coming up. You got to be able to win, not necessarily win out, but maybe only one loss type thing. Uh, Texas did have a bunch of their – I mean, I think they had all five starters, you know, on the offensive back. 
Another key thing was penalties. Early in that game, they were already had like six or seven. And last year, they had 15 against Texas. And we've seen that. I remember, wasn't it like 12 of them against Tennessee? Like, we've definitely seen that more and more. Um, yeah. You know, out of them a little bit. You know, it's just not a little bit. A, a lot of bit. <laughs> um, you know, discipline. Some of that discipline lacking there. So, yeah, man, we'll see. You know, this is a huge win. But you also, like you said, you, you got to keep it going now. And it's not like the Big 12 is a chump conference. Um, but we'll see. We'll see uh, how that goes. Now on to the other rank versus – or actually it wasn't rank versus rank, but it was a high-profile game. Miami, like I said, looked the part against the Aggies. Uh, a, a week ago against Miami of Ohio, right, uh, both offense and defensive lines looked improved, but you can never quite tell until they go against some other Power 5 type guys. And obviously, talent-wise, has never been an issue for A&M. Um, it's the other stuff. Um, and the other stuff, whether it's the secondary getting burnt or trying to go for a hit late in that game and jar the ball loose rather than make a tackle, which, you know, resulted in a touchdown. Um, a really fun game there for a while. Uh, A&M kind of got gift-wrapped some of their scores early. You know, they had the, the block punt, I think they got the ball at like the 15, they punched it in, credit to them, and then they got a, a Hurricane player muffed a, a punt and got the ball at like the 9. Once again, credit, you, you do have to get in the end zone, and they did. But they got that early lead, and then Miami just kind of, you know, got back in the game, calmed down, and, and really took it over after that. Both sides of the ball, they did lose like three out of their four starting defense alignment. One of them came back in, was kind of uh, shaky, but hopefully they do have a, like three games now where it's winnable games. So hopefully, you know, by the time they have to start stepping up the competition again, they can get healthy. But the quarterback was phenomenal. I think it was like the first time against the ranked opponent for five thrown touchdowns or maybe tied with it. This system definitely looks like the system two years ago, a lot better fit for the quarterback who was First or second round talent, for sure. Had a down year last year, got hurt. That had something to do with it. But um, Miami looked the part. Like I said, overall, they had a scare in their secondary. It sounds like the guy's going to be okay. He's an All-American safety. And, man, when he – his body just gave gave way. It just gave – there was no – it looked like – I mean, knock on wood, but it looked like a very serious situation uh, where – you know, guys can have some neck issues or be paralyzed and whatnot. He, he is in the hospital. Uh, he, he is okay. We don't know exactly all the information on him, but he was upright in the hospital bed flashing the U sign. So we, we, we know he's, it's not the serious as it could have been, but that was kind of a scare. But, yeah, Miami looked good. In A&M, man, they got to they gotta regroup. They got to regroup. I I know that I know they're paying him a lot of money and he was a high profile name but if they have another brutal year like I how long of a leash right now does Jimbo have cuz you're looking on like year 3 now where if this year progresses like it's been this is like this will be a third year potentially of like a disappointment and I know, like, again, you, you open up the bank account. You got the, the boosters with the is oil it, money. Is this his fifth year as a coach, too? Is it five uh, years now? Yeah, let me, uh, like 
Yeah. That um, With high-ass recruiting classes, I, you know? Yeah. So it's like that talent is on the campus. And, and yeah, and so why is it not translating to the field? Which, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm sure if we read, like, some Aggies message boards, like, yeah, I mean, you, you can't. I'm, I'm sure the payout would be astronomical. But what what matters more, like your your product of your program, because like you really have been surpassed by. Well, I mean, I'm sure they want to be up there with like you know, hell, Baylor's been more consistent for the last five years than uh, um, the Aggies, and so is Texas. And obviously, I mean, Oklahoma's their neighbor. Like, they're it's it's just it doesn't seem like they're getting the skills. Uh, on the field they need from the players they got. Yeah, because he always has a really high recruiting class. So I don't know, man. It's They bring in Petrino, who maybe has the offense going a little bit better. But the way that game turned out against Miami, obviously, you know, la- it, it was kind of weird, too, because such a high-scoring affair. Last year it was like a 17-9, like really kind of a, a, a grudge battle of defense. This year it was more yeah. of just a, a high-scoring affair. Yeah, these but, are different teams this year, I will say that, just the way that game was played. True. But then to your point, they um, you listed a lot of unfortunate, or I should say fortunate plays of special teams and turnovers that benefited right. the Aggies, and they still yeah. lost. So I don't know. Again, I, I think if they have another rough year and they maybe go like 7-5 and five or something like that, I think they really got to look at, is this the guy we want running our program? Like, and I, you wouldn't see because they're paying him like I think that contract was like eighty million for seven years or something like that. But I'm sure you could find a way to scoop up some money because you don't want to have another year of a letdown. And I'm, I'm sure their expectations are to be a top ten team in the country. And from a skill set of a dra- from a recruiting standpoint, Chris, their recruiting class probably has potential to be top ten. But you got to get that offense figured out. And obviously the defense did have a rough game. So in a game where the Aggies defense has kind of carried them for the last handful of years, giving up over 40 points on the road, that's going to be very hard to win that game anyway. So um, props to Miami. Maybe this is the year that they decide to bounce back a little bit. And we could have kind of more of an old school thing when we first became friends of seeing Miami and Florida State compete for an ACC title. Because it's been, it's been a while since those have been the two top dogs in the conference going neck and neck to win a ACC crown. They've never been since uh, Miami got to the ACC. They've actually never competed for that crown uh, because it's like one of the teams are up. The other one's down. The other one's up. The other one's down, you know, so they've never, sure. it's kind of funny, but yeah, you're right. That, that, that's, that's never happened. And yeah, we'll see, man. I mean, it's a long season, but you know, if a, if a Texas oil uh, man doesn't want to dig in his pockets, maybe he can, you know, form a relationship with a Saudi oil guy. Maybe they can get some Saudi money to <laughs> to get that because it. I know the buyout's nuts, but that is part of doing a deal like that. Um, you know that that's possibly going to happen. Now, shit, they could win eight in a row and and feel fine. You know, and, and who knows? You know, True. maybe that'll be the case. But yeah, yeah it, it's hot. It's hot. It is getting very very hot. You're right. It was a. That was uh, that was a really slow uh, last year. The Miami couldn't score in the red zone. That was their big thing. It was like seventeen to nine. Like you said, it was the lowest scoring game. Holy shit! Anyway, All right, so I just want to, I just want to tell you, so if Jimbo's fired this year, twenty twenty three, right, seventy six million dollar buyout. Right. If he's That's fired in twenty four, 
67 mil and then 25 is 58 million. Right. So, so either uh, way, it's going to be digging in pockets in the next yeah. three years. Yeah. But, it's not like 56 but, million or whatever is little. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a commitment. They made a commitment. True. And, you know, it's almost like you almost got to see it through. It's crazy it is. But the thing is, <laughs> if you have a lot of the talent now given, you're, they're good, you know, if you change coaches, you're going to have some people leave. Sure. But you do have a lot of people leaving anyway nowadays. Um, but I also think, man, if you could really get someone, although Jimbo had a, you know, he won a national championship. Um, it's, if you could get someone really, really high profile, now you're going to have to pay him again, but having the talent, the talent's already there. So maybe they could, you know, maybe they can, they believe, Hey, we got the talent on campus. Now we need a better coach, a younger, coach or or maybe one suited for this era of football but hey let's stop talking about that utah in oregon pulled it out avoid a september loss utah usually has one of those losses where you're like in oregon too to an extent really um but especially utah because they haven't gone that full way of getting to uh you know a top four spot at the end of the year they avoided it but man two scores in the last two minutes um, I had I had minus six and a half Utah and minus six Oregon. Man, was I lucky! Two scores in the final. They were down thirteen to six Utah in the final two minutes. They score. They let them score on the last one just to get some, you know, to be able to have some time on the clock. That was pretty, you know, crazy. Uh, and then Oregon. I mean, in the fourth quarter, outscored Texas Tech twenty to three. Um, it looked like maybe Oregon is just the jinx of Nick's on the you know Nick's on the road, but he showed up, no doubt about it. That was uh, that was pretty crazy, man. How those two games closed with the INT stuff and all sorts of shit. Well, for uh, for the Utah game, um, they need Cam Rising back. Like the Bryson Barnes, who had a decent game against Florida, looked like crap against. Um, Baylor, that dude, six of 19, 71 yards. Um, the offense had no rhythm to it whatsoever. It was just one of those ugly games where, like, dude, you, you, I don't know what you did against Florida, but you, you made the same guy. So the third stringer, Nate Johnson, really saved the day because on that last drive Utah had, which essentially tied the game up, he looked good. Like he he no again it took he looked it, shaky last week you know trying to get in there a little bit remember he's bobbling the ball and stuff like that yeah it, it took him it took Utah about fifteen minutes to get going but by the grace of God they did because I'm with you I bet Utah in a uh, teaser and I I live bet Utah minus six and a half when the game started because I was like man that Utah's first drive looked nice and that was really their quarterback's only good drive and their defense again as we know in college football when your offense sucks your defense gets worn out and I don't think Utah's defense played their best game because they were getting blown off the ball and that's kind of Whittingham's uh, like um what they're known for their 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 um DNA is to play tough football but Baylor really owned the line of scrimmage in the first half but thankfully for Utah fans and betters um they kept the score close so Utah was able to pull it off at the end um like I said, Nate Johnson, uh, he was 6 of 7 for the game. I bet he was 5 of 6 on that last drive. So they did just enough 
But yeah, the Bryson Barnes, Utah's essentially second stringer, had a QB rating of 8.9. Like, dude, yeah. So Cam Rising, you better hurry up because Pac-12 play is about to start. Um, but props to Utah. Um, it's always tough to win on the road. I know Baylor had the embarrassing loss week one to Texas State, but they obviously were prepared to go for that game. They looked very well coached. Miranda's defense was ready to go. But Utah pulled it off. And as we've now seen in college football or NFL football, Chris, running backs like to kind of straddle the goal line because they don't, you know, they know it's not smart to score. It's better to take a knee at the one, let the clock wind down. Um, Baylor's DB shoved the Utah guy in the end zone. Okay, so you're thinking, okay, if 13 seconds left, no big deal, Utah's good. Baylor chucks up like a 50-yard bomb and they catch it because right. somehow by the grace of God, Utah's all their DBs let a guy get behind them, which is the master, don't let anyone behind you. And they did. And Utah, Baylor had the ball in the Utah 22 with one second left. They had a chance to score. But I will say this, so we'll move on. You know, most in most situations, Chris, if you are if you are up seven and you are on your own twenty two and you gotta protect your end zone, most coaches do like a prevent. Okay, let's just drop people back and put put a wall in the end zone. Utah said, bleep this, we're sending the damn right. house. And I respect that because they they blitzed their ass off and there was maybe a potential PI, but I like that because a lot of times coaches do drop back to play a prevent zone. And you don't know. Some shit happened. Utah said, nope, we're coming for the house. And they got there, <laughs> and they made that quarterback force it. So that was a crazy win. And as you mentioned, for Oregon, uh, same situation. But I will say the one point about that game that surprised me was Texas Tech was up two points, Chris, with I think it was like late third quarter, maybe early fourth. Yep. And their coach decided to go for it on his own 23. Dude, you're up two and you're in the later part of the game, why would you ever go for on your own 23? To me, I know there's like the aggressiveness, and I'm sure Lane Kiffin's done this, and I would call him stupid for doing it too. But on your own 23-yard line, you don't There's no it. analytics. There's no analytics no. for that. There, no. The, like, maybe on your own 40, maybe like 38, 39, but on your own 23, you're being an idiot. And they did kind of like a, a triple option, kind of like fake handoff, try to quarterback sneak kind of thing, but it failed. And after Oregon got that lead, they never, Texas Tech never got, well, I don't know. But it was just, it was a huge swing in the game, and it wasn't a smart call. And if you're a Texas Tech fan, man, you blow a 17-point lead against Wyoming and lose an OT. Then you have a heartbreaker at home in a game that you easily could have won. Um, that That is a tough 0-2 start if you're a Red Raiders fan, because those are both games you could have won. Um, and you'd be probably beating yourself up a little bit for the for the Raiders. Yeah, seriously, man, that was rough. Um, moving on to the second half for Notre Dame in Ole Miss, really pouring it on. Notre Dame, it was that, you know, we had on the east, we had, you know, some weather delays, obviously. They were, I think it was like an hour and change that they got delayed, had to come out. It was a tight game at half, going into half and right at half. But, man, they took over, Notre Dame did. 29 straight regular ACC wins versus ACC opponent. I think it was 2017 is the last time Notre Dame lost to an ACC opponent. And that just happens to be Miami when they got their, when they ass kicked Notre Dame. I remember that game uh, in that, you know, that they were, I think they got to like 10 and 0 or whatever that year. But, um, I mean, 45 to 24, you have Hartman, Sam Hartman going for four TDs. 
Um, he's tenth all time on the uh, on the list uh, for touchdowns. I mean, twentieth in his career uh, as far as four touchdowns. He's a big difference maker, as we know, because uh, you can see some of the things he was able to accomplish at Wake Forest, um, and just how legitimate a quarterback he is. There's just no way around it. And for Notre Dame to add him to what they already have, it, it, it really intrigued me in the offseason, and it's looking pretty good so far, that's for sure. So that was a, a nice win, you know, on the road, not an easy place. They usually got a pretty good defense uh, in NC State. They took over second half, no doubt about it. And then obviously – you know, your squad old miss really 27 to three in the second half. Like I said, I had the plus eight and a half. Now Tulane had some key guys missing. We, we know that, but the style of the game though, Tulane was doing good. And with my plus eight and a half Marshall, I felt pretty damn good until I didn't, like I said, 27 to three old miss runs away with it. The second half. Yeah, I think they made um, a handful of, like, good defensive adjustments. Um, obviously, I think if Pratt for Tulane, who's been their stud quarterback for the last year, if he'd been healthy and played, Tulane easily could have won because Tulane's backup had Tulane up at half. He had the offense moving. But in the second half, Tulane's offense disappeared. Um, so whatever adjustments uh, Lane's defense coordinator made, they became effective because Tulane literally, like, literally quit moving the ball. Um, so that was, uh, again, props to just making adjustments to a backup quarterback. And for a backup, like, dude, you, you, you played about as damn good as you could. Obviously, if, again, if Pratt's involved, Ole Miss probably loses that game. Uh, and yes, there are some shenanigans there at the end to, uh, either help people or, or hurt people in the, in the, uh, standards of the, the betting world. Um, but yeah, hey, that was the game that, uh, is a good win for Tulane cause, uh, or it's for Ole Miss cause Tulane's a quality opponent. And I'm, I'm sure – I think Pratt should be back soon. Obviously, I hope Tulane has a good season because they were crazy last year. Um, it was one of those things where uh, I saw, like, that morning when I woke up, it said Pratt will be a game-time decision. So, at least to that point, Chris, they kind of made it knowing. Now, if you made your bet earlier, it doesn't matter. But, you know, last year we had a couple of times where, like, the quarterback injury report would be really hidden in college football. And now I know you mentioned that the Big Ten will announce injury report thing two hours before games this year and other teams are being a little more relevant. And not that it really matters, but for people that since betting is becoming so popular, obviously it's something to know. Like if you're going to bet on a college football game, like star quarterbacks out, that's information that should be helpful to be passed along. So I think college in general is trying to make them more relevant. And, yeah, for Tulane, it's not, I mean, it's one loss. You'll be fine, and I still think you're going to have a great season with Pratt. And for Ole Miss – um, you got Bam in two weeks, so you got to start preparing for that. Got to get better on third down, too. They definitely struggled on third down in that game, if I remember correctly. I think it was like 1 of 13 at some point or something like that. But, um, yeah, man, that uh, that uh, that was a damn good second half by your squad, no doubt about it. All right, so we, met, we made it this far, okay, but we got to talk about it. Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes. Just for the record, um, back in the, the early 90s, in the 90s in general, when, when starter jackets were the thing, I did have a Colorado Buffalo starter jacket. Okay, that was mostly because of Eric Benham, the enemy. But, uh, yeah, man, that uh, they got the job done. First half uh, was a 
you know, was a grind, that's for sure. Uh, Nebraska looks legit on defense in many ways. The quarterback, you know, definitely uh, giving the ball up a lot. He has kind of a – or not kind of, he has a full-on track record of that. Um, as it goes, if you look at the, the stats, he definitely has a track record of giving the ball away. So that definitely – that was tough. That was, that was definitely a, a rough one. Um, but, like I said, it, it, they got a lot of pressure on him. Um, I think it's – he has – I think it's 37 career turnovers. It's the most active by any Big Ten player. Um, but, you know, in the first half, like I said, that defense played good. They were able to contain the running game. And they had 11 – Nebraska had 11 overall, 11 uh, tackles for loss and eight sacks. They were getting after it in the first half. But, yeah, Jeff Sims, just a turnover waiting to happen. And for a while there, it actually made me feel better about my Gophers' offense watching that first half. Now, Sanders came around, so did the rest of the team. And, you know, he put up some numbers. I think he's, I think he got to 900 now the first time in two games, over a two-game stretch. But Colorado, coming off that big high, Marshall, was able to, uh, you know, business-like in the second half, take that game over. There will be times this year where I will, like, bet against a team after a big win. Um, but Colorado actually bet on them, and thanks for that, cashed. Um, that was a pretty stress-free bet. Um, and I thought the the stadium would be going crazy, which it was. That was probably the first big game they've had at home in over at least probably five or six years, besides maybe, like, Colorado-Colorado State rivalry game. Um, so the home crowd was there. Obviously, there's a new frenzy with uh, Dion being on the sidelines. And, hey, to give Nebraska's defense credit, they played pretty damn good. Like, you know that Colorado's got some legit playmaking talent in um, the running backs and Sanders and Hunter. Uh, but Nebraska pretty much shut down that offense for the first 20 minutes of the game. But with continuous turnovers by Nebraska and in the wrong part of the field, too, um, your defense can't play good forever. Kind of, It kind of had that Iowa image to a word damn like what what more can we freaking do guys like are you gonna do shit on offense or not so when you compile a bad offense with turnovers and when you turn the ball over in, in your own territory eventually that's the car up playmakers are gonna make plays and they, that game really did open up in the second half and if you're nebraska um i don't know if you got i mean you chose this guy to be your quarterback so i don't know if there's a a, a new option i, I mean I don't, I don't think you do transfer portal during the season but um, you know, Matt Rule has had a, uh, he's had good success going on, but for, I'm sure he wants to have a, a good year this year. And Sims is just, he, he's maybe he's in his own head, but he's, he's having a tough start to the year. He had those horrific turnovers against the Gophers when that game was pretty much won. And then he had a lot of turnovers this game against Nebraska or against Colorado that hurt him too. Now he did have like a, a 70 yard touchdown run, Chris, which shows he can be a playmaker, but it shows he's quick. But can you trust the guy in the pocket? Uh, that doesn't appear to be the case. So props to Colorado. The, the the karma rolls on, and they do play Colorado State this week. They're like a 20-point favorite. But after that, then you got back-to-back weeks of going to Oregon and playing USC. So then, you know, because Vegas really doesn't know what to do with them, Chris, but you, you yeah. don't find out Just soon. Just to say, yeah. It, it is. It is. And that was, it was funny because, and actually I think Vegas got torched in that game because pretty much all the Joes, all the public people, we're Ben Colorado because, hey, why not? But you could right. – I listened to some podcasts, like all the sharp people, like the professional gamblers are like, 
Uh, I don't know how to adjust my rankings to this team because we're not used to teams making this type of, uh, like such a, a, scene, uh, a, a new splash on the scene. And when, when they play Oregon and USC in two or three weeks from now, then you'll see what kind of team are they. And then, then the truth might sneak out a little bit, but hey, give them credit so far. They're two and oh, and, uh, Dion's off to a great start. Well, shit. I mean, even if they, Get to eight or nine wins. It would, oh, eight or oh, yeah. four would look like uh, all they're underachieving. But overall, that that team would. I mean, they had that. What was it like four years ago, five years ago, where they had that ten game, you know, ten ten win season, where they kind of came out of nowhere. Sure, the coach got hired someplace, and then it was over. Um, yeah, I, I we'll see. Well, yeah, it's a it's a long season there, but yeah, like, we'll never you never know. Like you said, the tough tough games are coming up. And maybe they are going to slip up. You know, you never know. Just like every team's, you know, even if it's a close call or whatever. Um, speaking of close calls, though, Appalachian State, North Carolina, double overtime, 40 to 34. Hampton, the running back, 234 and three touchdowns. I believe, yeah, one was in overtime last year, you know, 63 to 61 or whatever it was, something like that. Um, that, I mean, like I said, this should be an ongoing. Maybe I'm missing something, and they do play every year. But this should—they should just have a lifetime contract here. Every year they should do this in the non-conference because uh, it was—it was a fun game. I didn't get to see a lot of it, but yeah, that—that that was a crazy game. As far as you know, we had a lot of crazy endings with Utah and whatnot. But then the Badgers lose to Washington State. Again, last year they lost at home. This year they go on the road and lose. Um, what says you, sir? Well, the new Air Raid Badger offense has yet to take off. <laughs> I mean, last week they looked pretty, like, um, uneventful offensively against Buffalo. And this week um, they well, they just – I mean, they didn't play bad, and I don't think Washington State is a, a bum team. I think this spread was like five points, but um, Washington State's quarterback was the player of the game. I believe he was named Ward. Um, the dude was scrambling, making plays. Um, maybe this Badger defense isn't quite as stout as it normally is. Normally, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin normally have the stud defenses and okay offenses, but maybe this Badger offense took or defense took a bit of a step down. Um, because the, in the second half of that game, uh, Ward for Washington State was making plays with his feet and it was consistent. He made a couple of nice passes. You can tell he's definitely one of those guys that likes to run, but with his arm, he was effective. And, um, in the second half, actually the play of the game though probably was, um, the Badgers running back Malusi had a play where he was about in midfield and he got, he kind of was tackled and stripped at the same time. And with the camera angles that were available, it was one of those plays where, you know, Chris, whatever the call they make on the field is going to stand. He felt like he was down, and but it was such a hard with the jersey colors and the angles you couldn't tell. Um, he They did stick with the fumble call on the field. Washington State drives down the score, and that kind of was the breaking point of the game. So obviously, you know, one turnover can be a huge difference, and I, that kind of did the Badgers in because after that they never really recovered. So you could say a 50-50 call kind of cost them. Um, but, uh, hats off to Washington State. That's one of the, probably the best ones they've had in a long time, along with beating them last year. And that's a program trying to get rebuilt because they were kind of really in the slums there for a while. So, credit to them. And if you're a Badger team, 
again, you want to try and bring this new offense in. Yeah, to me, Chris, they're still they're still known for having stud running backs, which they do have this year. So I'm not quite sure exactly what their DNA is for the season so far. Yeah, they're going to figure it out. The first season always can be funky, especially when you're trying to change it to an extent. Now, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see sure. how that goes. That that is kind of interesting though, because yeah, he is a he's still a I mean a big old dude. Dude, last week. Like you said, they didn't look phenomenal, but they that dude was running people over. No yes. surprise there. Um, Penix went for four oh nine. Washington, you know, uh, had five picks la- or five touchdowns last week. Had a big over four hundred yards, three touchdowns in a in a blowout. Um, Howard and company there at Kansas State, ten of fifteen on third downs. Uh, he had five touchdowns, two of them are rushing. Harrison Jr. had a huge day. I think it's his third 150-yard day, 160 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the the back to well, he's looking for back to back. What am I saying? Uh, Heisman winner potentially back to back four tutties. That's the one where I got a plus 295 and a half. Boy, that thing got blown up really quick. Punt returns and was there a pick return? I don't know. There was a lot of shit. They got to 49 points. 49-3 at half, Marshall, and somehow, some way, the damn game went under still. Uh, watching that Kansas game against Illinois, Kansas and Daniels looked freaking good right away. Um, ten play, Look at their first uh, four drives. 10-play, 82-yard touchdown. 13-play, 85-yard touchdown. 11-play, 94-yard touchdown. And then a quick strike, 36 seconds. 75 yards, four-play touchdown. You're talking about four minutes, six minutes, six-minute drives. You know, and, and on defense, they look better than they had. That's obviously Kansas' issue. But, man, that young quarterback and the talent they got on offense and that coach and everything, man, I like where Kansas is. I know they fell off. They went, what, they get to 6-0 and then went on a losing streak. But it's fun to see basketball uh, programs try to become at least a respectable football um, program. And, and I did think that'd be a much tighter game from the jump. And credit uh, to Kansas for, you know, not only getting up top when Illinois started making noise, they, they put them away. Well, speaking of Texas is back, when they weren't back a couple of years ago, that was probably the biggest win Kansas had when they beat Texas two seasons ago. And ever since then, they've kind of just been making progress piece by piece. Um, they've slowly been able to get in more recruits. Um, they've had a couple of quarterbacks the last couple of years. Every time I watch or hear them on ESPN, people say that their offense coordinator is one of the best in the land. So they're doing everything right. Again, obviously, you're still trying to rebuild a program that hasn't. It's been it's been a minute since they've been good at all. Um, but yeah, they're. They keep they keep bringing in offensive talent and they're just kind of resurrecting a program which was pretty low. Um, but hey, uh, you, if you have players that can score you thirty five to forty a game, you're gonna have a chance to win a lot of college football games. And that Daniels is a very talented quarterback, and that with the combination of a great OC is something to build off of. I think they may they probably work on their defense. Like every every team has a to do list, but um, offensively, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna put points up, Chris, you're gonna hang in a lot of games and. Again, I'll tip my cap because that was a, they were pretty much the laughing stock of the Big 12 for a, a good four to five years. And now they're, 
becoming kind of middle middle kind of middle tier for that conference, which is uh, hats off to the coaching staff and the players. So um, two things on my side of it. I'll let you you know wrap up week uh, two as well. Obviously, week three. There's no rank versus ranked. We are still going to go, you know, preview and predict and do some, you know, a plus number that we feel good about. Someone's going to easy cover. We're going to do the possible upsets of the week and, and barn burners, hardcore stuff that, you know, it just, it's crazy. And I, and I actually was talking about this before we hit record. And it's like, I, I'm a big boxing fan. I have a boxing uh, podcast and it's just funny. Some weeks, and this is a different thing because it's a team sport. you got schedules and whatnot. But some weeks it'll be like three cards and two out of the three fight cards you're just pumped for, but they're going right around the same time. And it's like, man, it would have been nice if they could split this up. I mean, when you look at, you know, week three, look at week four, literally a week later, as it stands right now, okay, um, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Florida State, Clemson, Colorado, Oregon, Bama at Ole Miss, uh, Iowa, Penn State, UCLA, Utah, Washington State, we just talked about them, going at Oregon State. I mean, it is jam-packed for week four. However, being that college football is the best, hands down, there's no debate on this, it's the best regular season team sport out there. It just is. Just so many. So I'm saying some of these, you, you kind of get look ahead to the next game. As fans, we start to look ahead next week. And sometimes when we talk about a down week or an off week, upsets, crazy games, overtime games, especially with the overtime system that they have at college, you just never know. So, and then two other things I want to talk about now: Mel Tucker, uh, Michigan State. Obviously, there's an investigation going on as we speak. Um, this is Brian McMurphy a couple different times from the Action Network headquarters. That was the source uh, that the secondary, you know, coach, Harlan Barnett, will coach. Um, there's a sexual harassment, um, you know, issue, whether it got more than that or I have no clue. Uh, we don't know now, but. The complaint came in in December, so they they don't have a ton of you know we haven't had a lot of details on this, and we're still they're still investigating. So ultimately, um, you know, they're, like he says right here, they're going to wait until the investigation is complete to make the Tucker move one hundred percent official. Uh, but they will claim dismissal with cause to get out of paying you know the the buyout, which obviously you know. Is legit if, in fact, that you know, this this is how it went down. If in fact this information is out there, so I don't have a ton of information on it now. Like 100%, this is exactly what happened. And a lot of times, it can be exactly what it is. And other times, after the investigation, go, oh wait a second, now I have more details. So I don't know how deep we want to go into that, but that is the case. And another thing is we didn't get to talk about it because it happened last Monday, but Clemson and Duke, Duke got a big, big win. A chunk of years ago, what, seven or eight, they were a good program. They were getting the nine and ten games a year winning. They they were pretty good there for a while. They fell off again after, you know, having years of struggling. 
Um, big, big win for, for, for them. And then Clemson, I mean, two red zone, like damn near goal line fumbles, uh, two turnovers on down in Duke territory. I mean, it goes further than that too. There was a muff punt. There was drop passes. There was a, a drop touchdown. I mean, if they played 10, uh, you know, 10 more times, I'd still pick Clemson to win like seven times in that game, just how it played out. But, man, the airs were left and right in the opener against Duke. Man, that was big. I know as a North Carolina fan, you don't like to talk about Duke too much, but this is football, Marshall. Yes, and I don't really have any hostility towards, like, Duke football because I definitely dislike Dabble more than Duke football. Not basketball, but football. I didn't care. Because, yeah, what what a meltdown, though. Because, yeah, you had a a fumble on the one, a fumble on the three, um, an interception. Um, that was just like Clemson literally moved the ball at will. Yeah. They, they had four turnovers in the red zone, which is almost like unheard of. It, so it was a very, like, you can't really say Duke, like, killed them. Like, I know the scoreboard makes it look like it, but. Yeah, I think it, it, some of it's been <laughs> overdone, you know, where you're like, well, hold on, dude. Hold, hold on. It'd be different if they were getting, like, somewhat manhandled or that offense wasn't moving the ball like we've seen in years past. Yeah, but I, I so I did actually live bet Duke, and I got lucky because I was like, oh man, like oh Clemson's gonna score. Oh shit! Wait, no fumble. Wait, no up oh, turn. Oh shit! Oh, okay, <laughs> so those all those games, like God, the 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 gods were on my side because normally when you give up a, a, a seventy yard drive, it's gonna result in a touchdown, and eventually Clemson's defense did wear out or something. Yeah, well, and then Clemson had a weird game this this week where the score was like. 14 to 14 after one quarter and the teams there, they're playing like Charles Southern Southern who had like three first downs to Clemson's like 13, but the game was tied. Like Clemson's been having some weird games here, but the thing I've heard now from like four or five different podcasts and people is that Dabble's got to adapt his offense. Like I get his offense is old school. They don't, they don't throw the ball to their wide receivers and their mindset they is can't just, just rely like, on the talent. They, speaking of, we're talking about Alabama. They had about a three, four quarterback run as well, and they he, can't rely on having a stud quarterback. If you're, yeah, you know, I'm not saying this guy's not a player, but sure, he's not what the other guys were. No, he's not like a, a Watson or yeah, or yeah. So he, he's, uh, the, but yeah, they say Dabo doesn't adjust, and I will say that is the one thing I took away from that game, Chris, was when you watch that Clemson Duke game. Clemson didn't really throw the ball that like all their receivers didn't really do much. It was either let the quarterback run or let the Shipley, their running back, run. And Shipley's good, but it was like yeah, the receivers on Clemson exist. So yeah, and and yeah, I know you're doing that two week ahead preview. Uh, Clemson's got uh, Florida State in two weeks, so that's going to be. Uh, I think they do. I think that's going to be yeah. a fun one. So yeah, um, hey, I, I'm not going to complain if Dabo struggles and people rip him. I'm all for it because not a fan of that guy. So. Hey, Clemson football, maybe adapt to new offense or maybe maybe get a new coach. I don't, I don't know. Just suggest No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's, I mean, if, we could, if I had a bias button, I would be banging that thing down for about a minute straight. That's fair. That's fair. That's ridiculous. The guy oh, won oh, two oh. natties. He's been in two championships. That's completely ridiculous. Oh, but now, okay. So to wrap up, this no. didn't happen in the mid two thousands or something, or even the mid. Uh, you know, this didn't happen in two thousand thirteen. You know, the, True. I wouldn't be going getting another 
another coach. You know, I think that's 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 way over the top. Uh, I I was just talking trash. I completely agree. Yes, yeah. but one as as I as I move on, but I I do speak. You want to talk about coaches that say random ass stuff? Ryan Day, a guy again. He he's he's approaching my dislike dabble level because this nonsense that he said. So with there being the new college clock rule where the clock does not um, reset after every first down, he had the nerve to come out this week and say, yeah, it, it, it's really starting to affect my offense. We're, we're a team who normally scores 60 to 70 points a game, and that's with about 15 possessions. Now my offense is averaging about nine possessions a game, and I'm trying to get my backs in by the camp. Okay, first of all, you line bastard, you do not average 60 to 70 points a game at Ohio State. If you did, you'd be winning every national title. Okay. Secondly, they've done the, the clock work so far, Chris, and on average, teams are doing two less plays a game, so that equals four. So when you start. Oh, it matters the style, too, you know, because as a Gophers fan, I could tell the difference here. That's for damn sure. Well, okay, well, that, that might be the style of offense you have. But statistically, well, let's not though, get caught up in that. Go ahead, go ahead. No, well, I'm just, I, but these college guys just say some stuff, and it's like, dude, don't. First of all, you don't average seventy points a game. But again, so far, and I know it is a new rule, which does affect it. But so far across the whole land, it's only been like four less plays a game. So don't tell me that you're getting six less possessions, and your backups can't get in now, and you're not dropping seventy. It's like maybe you're, maybe you just had a little couple of rough games, but God, stuff like that just it drives me insane because. No, no one really calls guys out on this. Like, obviously, no house airport is going to be like, are you sure on that? Oh, we'll just publish it and we'll let him go with it. I'm sure a lot of people believe what he's saying, too. But, yeah, Ryan Day, you're, you're getting up to that dabble level. Quit spouting off nonsense like that because it ain't true. That's well, all. The, the offense looked better for dabble beyond, uh, you know, um, well, it was going against Duke for one, but go, but beyond the deep shots. But sure. I think that he's got to adapt – we could say the offense, but we also have to adapt to being to the transfer portal. He has to yes. swallow his pride. Yes. He's got to get over that. But let, let's move on. Let's not talk about this shit, okay? Okay. Let's go. Because we're, we're at 54 minutes right here. So we got to cruise here. Okay. So, like I said, week three, not full of – there's no rank versus rank, you know. But it doesn't mean that there can't be, you know, can Illinois stay close enough to Penn State to cover as a 14-point dog. LSU, are we sure they're going to win by 10 points at Mississippi State? Kansas State at uh, Missouri, your squad. Oh, Five-point favorite. Should they cover there? Um, or will they cover there? My squad, Minnesota, traveling on the on the road to North Kekalaka, who hasn't looked great, but my Gophers haven't looked phenomenally either. Seven-and-a-half-point underdog. I think that's kind of an interesting game. Uh, Washington, Michigan State, uh, Washington really uh, was able to handle them last year early, and that kind of won the game. Who knows what Michigan State is thinking right about now. Tennessee on the road at uh, Florida, six-and-a-half point favorite. Can Florida, like, put together something where they look good? You know what I mean? Um, there are some games out there deeper than that, but um, I don't know. I mean – I'm looking at games like uh, like Friday night, U- Utah State Air Force, uh, Army UTSA, uh, you know, some competitive games. I think it's really just a, a hardcore-type weekend. 
So let's go over a couple of them. You know, LSU, are we positive they'll win by 10 or more points as a 10-point favorite on the road at Mississippi State? Um, Liberty Buffalo, I'm looking at it right below it. Very good game on the surface. I think Old Dominion, as a 14-point underdog, I'm eyeballing that for a plus-14 number. And I think it was 14-and-a-half on my bookie. Just a couple of things I'm throwing out there uh, right away, sir. Uh, so for LSU, um, I think if, if based on how they played that first week against Florida State, it would be hard to take them minus 10 on the road. Um, again, I know Mississippi State's in a weird spot with uh, Mike Leach passed away last year. And you're kind of like trying to rebuild the program in a way. Um, I mean, LSU could do it. They have, they have the skill level. But, again, you gotta you got to play a complete game. And you got to be able to run in the trenches when you need it. So I would definitely lean towards Mississippi State with 10. Um, I will definitely take the away team in, in Kansas State, though, against Missouri. Missouri's offense is not like special at all so far. I can't stand their coach, Drinkwitz. They, they, they played like trash this last week and barely won a game against a no-name team. Take K-State all day. Uh, K-State minus five, I think, is a line I will definitely bet K-State on. Missouri's got to show me something because I've not seen something from them yet. So, And Liberty Buffalo, uh, Liberty didn't look great week one and Buffalo's had a couple of tough losses that that, you're right that's a a, this weekend on CBS Sports Network that's a fun college football game to enjoy that should be close Liberty's a three and a half point road favorite and that's probably right that'll be a fun close competitive game and Buffalo who's been pretty decent of a MAC program last handful of years is going to want to try to avoid that 0-3 slump but K-State is for sure a bet of mine this week I will not miss that one at all and if, just like the quarterback said at Miami of Ohio, if they're the real Miami, then they should be able to lose by less than 14 at Cincinnati. Cincinnati got a nice win. Forgot to mention that. That was a pretty nice little win. Raging Cations, UAB, two-point favorite there. Yeah, there's a variety of these games that don't be surprised if something jumps up. Now, BYU, their quarterback's the third string on the Vikings from last year, Hall. Arkansas, nine and a half. I, I, I'm looking at that going, man, I know BYU is down this year, but they have a way, especially early in seasons, of just surprising <laughs> folks. I'm not saying winning, but surprising folks. Um, once again, here we are with Iowa, right? Do I think they're going to win? Oh, yeah. Well, Iowa's going to win. But how many points will they score to win by that many that they're favorite? Uh, I think that's just, I think it's a fair question. I'm not calling for them not to win by that amount, but it's a, for Iowa's standards on offense, which, you know, do they look a little more improved this year? Sure. Western Michigan isn't what it was, obviously, especially with PJ Fleck, but even in recent years, but, but minus 28 and a half. They'll get either an interception return or a punt return. They got an INT touchdown, I think, last week against Iowa State. I just think that's an interesting matchup. What Do you, you think Tennessee's going to kind of come in there clean and, and, and beat Florida? Um, because that's still – that's not an easy game. I do think that much like Baylor played a much better game this last week after they got their ass whooped, I think you'll see a better Florida team than you saw in Utah, at least mm-hmm. Florida's offense, because Florida's defense actually played pretty well. So can Florida's offense play better? It should. I don't think Tennessee's known for their um, defense anyways. But 
um, what what kind of quarterback is Joe Milton going to be? The dude probably has the strongest arm in college football. There's no denying right. that. But is he is it accurate? Again, Tennessee was up nine to six against Austin P last week at home. Now it could have been a look ahead game, but again, Milton's a freak athlete. But is he a a a good to elite quarterback yet? We got to see if he can like run the program because last year, dude, that uh, that offense was fucking moving and they had the pieces, they had the receivers. Um, I don't know all the receivers came back, but they have the pieces there. But your quarterback, no, yeah, one of them went out, pro, so. one of them went yeah. pro. So, but uh, they did, he did look good in the uh, the bowl game. I'll say that he did. So, and, you know, I, I, my good friend is a Tennessee fan, but I don't watch them quite as in, intrusive. I don't know what it, exactly she does, but I, I think the pieces are there, and they're probably a better team on paper than Florida. But Florida's due to win some. You know, I, I, hell, they're. I'm sure they they want this one because they've been in a bit of a funk too. So I would be cautious of that one. But actually, and I missed this because I looked at Lions last night for our show. This one makes no sense to me, or Iowa State's really falling apart. Iowa State is only I was a just going to go to that. Point I was just going to go that. At Ohio, I know you had like your, your you had your players who got not involved. Not the in Ohio either. Not the no. Ohio. Uh, you had your gambling sting issues. I know you lost to Iowa, which is not that game's always freaking close. But how are you only a two and a half point favorite at a max school? Like if this was any other year, Chris, that's an automatic like. Max unit bet for sure, but damn Iowa State, you're only a two and a half point favorite at a max school. Like, I guess you boys have fallen off. Either Vegas has lost faith again. I don't know all the suspensions of what occurred, but that line makes no sense. You're basically saying that's a coin flip game versus a max school, and Iowa State for the most part has been a really consistent program. Even last year, they weren't that bad. Like, man, that that I'm gonna have to do some research, or maybe Ohio is good, but. Damn, that line is man. That 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 jumps out to me, brother. It really does. Fresno State, who beat Purdue uh, in the opening week, three point favorites at Arizona State. Um, Houston has been struggling. They looked bad in their last game. Didn't look good in their first game. TCU needs to win. Obviously, they're a favorite at home. Uh, speaking of Purdue, uh, Syracuse Purdue NBC primetime game, two and a half points. Syracuse. I kind of like Purdue in that game. And then the old rivalry pit in West Virginia was that the backyard brawl. Yes, they call that. That's back in full effect with the with the road team only a one point favorite. So there's some games out there to be had on a hardcore level. What are you thinking for upset? Let's talk upset. I'll let you go over some of the stuff that you want to go over, um, and then I want to talk Minnesota North Carolina, and then we're going to get to the crafty crappy pick of the week we're one and one there but let's try to get this done in a handful of minutes friend because okay. we're already over we're a minute three right now um I, I think for an upset i don't think floor is a bad choice um just because again they're i think they're due for i mean a, a better effort um a potential other upset would be south alabama at oklahoma state oklahoma state is not quite I don't, they're not quite the regular team that they are. They're, they're, they're a little bit of a step back. Um, then they're, then Gundy's used to having because they've had a little bit of quarterback problem. Their quarterback left them. And I mean, besides that, you know, a lot of these spreads are just pretty close where you have a couple of teams that are mass favorites. I, those would be the two that kind of jump out to me would be to okay. lean that way. 
Penn State against Illinois. Illinois has two defensive linemen. I mean, they got a great front seven, but two of the dudes in the middle are just nasty. And I really want to see if they can make Penn State with that young quarterback have to throw the ball. Now, he's looked damn good so far, um, and Illinois offensively doesn't look good. Um, not that they were great, but they're missing that stud uh, running back, that's for sure. 14 points, like I said, 14 and a half. I'm kind of eyeballing that because I think that defensive line can uh, can give him issues. Like I said, I'm going with Old Dominion as far as I'm not, not an upset but a plus number. I, I like them. They're pretty. They're improved this year. And then, you know, Styles made fights, what they say, the old saying in boxing. And, and you know, Minnesota, it's funny. They threw the ball like 44 times or something, which is crazy. That's like air raid Wisconsin type stuff, right? Um, for us, for Minnesota. And then this week, it was just the opposite. We only threw it 15 times. It just ran the hell out of the ball. But they did find a true freshman, 18 years old. He toted it like 33 times for like a buck 90. He looked good between the tackles and had that speed. Um, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to run the hell out of the ball in the starting. Lindenberg, the starting linebacker for uh, Minnesota, has yet to play it down, and they're going to need him for North Carolina, who hasn't actually looked all that great, but they got May. Uh, well, I'll say this. Against South Carolina, it was a close game. They pulled away. Really comfortable win. That was a good win. And Appalachian State's a, a pretty good program. So um, Styles make fights. I do like North Carolina winning the game. But that plus seven and a half, I'm eyeballing there, sir. Yeah, and, hey, and if if your boys can pull that one out, um, that'd be that'd be a hell of a start. And at least, yeah, at least, I, um, North Carolina's offense hasn't got clicking yet. They, right, I, I think there was a lot a of has to do with lot, that one wide receiver that's not back either, which is uh, complete bullshit from the NCAA. Back. Yeah, that right. that kid should be playing 100. percent But that's how the NCAA rolls, unfortunately, for him. But for your Gophers, that is a plus because yeah, they say that kid's they, the if real they deal. They can go 200 and 200, you know, get around let's say 170 to 200 yards rushing, and something like that, 150 to 200 passing. That's the uh, that's the formula for uh, for Minnesota because they got a great secondary. They got a defense. They, they're starting to put pressure, more pressure on the quarterback. That'll be obviously now that they're going against a, a higher level team, ranked team 20th on the road. Like I said, I'm not calling for the upset, but this could be tighter than some folks think. Any other things before we get to this crafty, crappy to pick, pick of the week? Because we are at a buck oh six. Uh. No, I think that pretty much, uh, yeah, that sums it up. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, and, but I, I do like this though because normally whenever we have the letdown kind of weird week in the past, it's from one, we'll have like three of these this year normally, but one of those weeks is always like completely insane madness. So even though the, it doesn't look enticing, what some, so, some team's going to do something this week that you're like, dude, what the hell just happened? So it'll be a, a fun intro to the start of the week next week. Um, but no, that, that's all I got, sir. Um, for the crafty crappy pick of the week, we have an interstate uh, battle, you may say, um, with New Mexico playing New Mexico State. Um, these are two Time teams who, uh, I believe it is a 7 p.m. 
Central Ooh, prime Talk. time. Prime time, man. It, it is in I Albuquerque. See why. I see why. This is a big matchup. It's in Albuquerque, New Mexico again. On paper, uh, New Mexico State has been a top 10 bottom team in the country. New Mexico is obviously there. They've been good at basketball, but never at football. Did you just say so. top 10 bottom 10? Like they're, they've been a, the top, one of the top worst, or yeah. like, no, I know exactly what you said. I, yeah, top I, I 10 like worst it. teams I in like the country. It. Yes. Uh, this game is a, a 7 p.m. kickoff in Albuquerque. So if you go drive past the Breaking Bad house, um, with pizza on the roof, um, $26 to get in the door. Holy shit. That's not cheap. Uh, that's for, an original stadium name too, you know? And New University. Mexico, New Mexico is a one point favorite. I believe I believe good old Jerry Kill is still ro- is roaming the sidelines for your, uh, the former Gopher coach for the New Mexico State Aggies. So, oh, the bearded it, up one, yeah. Take it away, brother, on this New Mexico State border. Well, I sh- should I should say New Mexico State Civil War. There we go. Man, this is uh, this is uh, the the Lobos and the Aggies, man. This is what dreams are made of. Um, if you look, I, I just talk about the spread. Look at New Mexico State's spread on offense, though. I mean, you got to respect it. You got to respect it. 265 and 220, that, that's respectable. Now, you know, they are giving up a buck 61 on the ground. Um, but yeah, they, uh, the thing about them, at least they've gotten some wins. Like when you look at the bottom five and who they've played now, I'll say this, New Mexico, you know, San Diego State, Colorado State, A&M, they're not killers by any stretch, but it is, you know, it's its a more challenging schedule. And that is sometimes the key here is having to face all these tough games. And so you look and you say, well, they only won one game last year. And that is bad. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But look at who they had to, you know, face, can, you know, comparatively. Uh, that's what I would say. Um I mean, UMass, UMass, not the one with Marcus Camby, beat them 41-30, to 30, New Mexico State. That That's pretty intense. Um, gosh, man, I remember the Gophers just ran over this team. But, yeah, I just think there's something about having to play tougher teams throughout. The, man, I don't know. This one's tough because both of them are actually spread on offense. It's funny. Usually it's – they both can go over 400 yards. Usually it's the complete opposite, Marshall, where you look and you go, my God, these guys can't move the ball. This is What's the over-under here? 50. I mean, that's a big number for these crappy, crappy pick of the weeks. True. Um, man, I, you know what? I'm, hmm, I'm going to go with the – I'm going to – I'm going with the home team. They've had to play the tougher schedule – um, to an extent, even though they were one of, <laughs> one of 11, I'm going out there. Sorry, kill. I'm very sorry, but New Mexico state, wait a second. Am I reading this right? New Me- is New Mexico state at home? No, it, it's at New, New Mexico. New Mexico is the home team and they're a one point favorite. Okay. They, yeah. They got this. Okay. I, I'm, they got this. Don't they get it backwards? New Mexico State Aggies, it says, versus usually I'm used to. Okay. Huh. Weird. Okay. So I'm going with, I'm going to go with New Mexico. Straight up Lobos. New Mexico Lobos to get the job done. Um, They're fresh off a win. 
56 to 10. They're feeling it. Now, who did they beat? Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles. Tennessee Tech. That, that's not good, Marshall. So I'm going to go with the home team, my friend, and see if uh, that their Hopkins coming off a four touchdown uh, performance can, uh, you know, get the job done there at home and, and, and you know, get, a, get on the winning streak for us in the crafty, crappy pick of the week, sir. I'm going to follow you for the alumni battle. New Mexico State's famous alumni is, is minimal at best. Um, the only people I recognized were um, Rich Bean, who's a former golfer, and Pascal Siakam, who has obviously been a very good NBA player. He's had a good career, okay? Yeah. Um, but for New Mexico, they got Brian Erlacher, who obviously was a, a, one of the best linebackers to play football. They also have Holly Holmes, who's been a, a dominant UFC fighter, and Ralph Kiner, who I know is like a really good baseball player from back in the day. So I'm taking the New Mexico alumni. You're going with the New Mexico football team. I think that's all we got to know to wrap up a, a win to move our crafty crap pick of the week to two and one. So if, if you're bored, you know, and if, if there's no SEC games or, you know, Pac-12 games on, just put on the good old New Mexico, New Mexico State uh, Civil War game and enjoy yourselves or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. But we will have a summary for that game next week. And on that note. We appreciate your support. We hope you've enjoyed this. And, again, like Chris said, next week's preview show, we'll we'll have to do our recap quick because there's, like, 12 games next week that are all going to be, like, enticing as hell. So, as always, have a good night. The boys are out. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.